Welcome to DeFi by Design, where we talk all things blockchain and cryptocurrency while striving to educate, empower, and enrich. Welcome back to the DeFi by Design podcast brought to you by The Rollup, a media and education company that provides high quality, actionable insights and information on all things layer twos, rollups, DeFi, scaling solutions, new protocols, juicy alpha, and insightful research. We're excited to share with you the latest trends and development in the DeFi space so you can stay informed and ahead of the curve. Without further ado, we will jump right into this episode with a brief update on some of our current sponsors. Buffer Finance is a non-custodial, exotic options trading platform built to trade short-term price volatility and hedge risk of high leverage positions. They are a leader in the arbitrum charge taking over on layer twos and totally understand the potential of blockchain technology and how it's transforming the finance industry. They are proud to support DeFi by design. If you're looking for a platform to trade short-term options, look no further than Buffer Finance. With their innovative tech, easy to use platform, they're at the forefront of the options tech in Arbitrum. Visit their website, buffer.finance, and take a look at all their options. ZKX is a leader in the decentralized derivative DEX market on StarkNet. StarkNet is a cutting edge technology built to help scale Ethereum using ZK rollups. They understand the potential of scaling, blockchain tech, and how it's going to change the world of leverage trading. ZKX protocol is happy to be on testnet and will be on mainnet very shortly. Check out ZKX protocol on Twitter, as well as on Crew3 to get more information about what's going on on StarkNet. This episode of DeFi by Design is presented by Union. Union Labs was founded with a vision to create trustless infrastructure. The mission is to bring zero-knowledge proofs to various ecosystems and ensure a fair market for generating ZK proofs. While building in stealth, Union has developed the Union testnet and successfully established an IBC connection between this testnet and Ethereum. Union will bring assets natively to any blockchain and enable account abstraction with interchain queries. This setup is not a dummy or hacky one. It includes a full IBC stack, light clients with membership proofs, header verification using ZK proofs, a stateless relayer, and zero knowledge provers. Get answers to all your ZK questions on Union's website, union.build, and DM at union underscore build on X. Now let's get back to the show. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the DeFi by Design podcast episode 112. Our boy Rob is missing today. He's he's traveling to see a Notre Dame football game with the Pops. So I've got the pleasure to just chat with Jim by myself and ask all the questions that I could ever think of about this cross-chain space that we're endeavoring on. If you've been following some of our recent content, we've been pushing out different uh, bridge pieces about pros and cons to different mechanisms that exist. Also, some really interesting stuff about what's happening between IBC and EVM. And then also uh, some interesting different protocols that are launching uh, true omni-chain or cross-chain functionalities where, uh, for example, you can deposit on, on a money market on Polygon and borrow on Arbitrum or some variation of such. And Jim is building Catalyst, which is an interesting AMM design uh, looking to tackle a lot of these kind of areas. So. Yeah, good to have you on, Jim. Uh, good, good morning. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Really excited to talk about what we're building and cross-chain and, and kind of nerd out about the future of it and everything. So thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, 
Rob and I originally got our start with DeFi Slate before we were the roll-up in 2020. And our first ever grant slash sponsor was actually Ave. So I'm not oh, sure nice. if you were in, at Ave in 2020 or joined in 2021, but love would love to hear about kind of how you got started with Ave and then you know how that led you down the journey to to Catalyst. Yeah, so I, I wasn't part of Ave during uh, during uh, DeFi summer, um, but but I joined in, in 2021, which in some ways was like a bigger year, I would say. Um, you know, DeFi summer obviously was like crazy right i think it kind of put DeFi on the map in, in many ways um but really i personally think that ave um, is a protocol and subsequently as the you know as an organization contributing to it um like kind of grew in 2021 and, and that came from honestly like it's it's multi-chain deployments right i think it kind of uh, we kind of zigged where compound zagged compound was obviously you know poster child of liquidity mining and of DeFi summer and it, it was fairly um like hardened i think uh, from a protocol perspective whereas ave was still evolving and so you know the deployments on polygon in february and avalanche i think either the same month or the following month was was kind of um very timely right for all this like all l1 um dialogue around polygon and and avalanche and phantom and, and everything like that and so um you know ave was there right it was there uh to, to meet that demand and and that's what really kind of i think led to a lot of its success and, and really put it um put it on the map as kind of the, the leading uh the leading kind of liquidity protocol um on like evm chains right and from a team perspective it was like i don't even remember like maybe like 10 15 people and then you know in 2021 when i joined it, it grew to like 60 to 70 and so it was like from a people perspective like all this stuff was happening in 2021 so it was it was a cool time to, to be part of the team yeah i remember isa was the marketing lead that helped us out with that grant she's super cool Remember we were partying in uh, in Lisbon or something that year, 2021, and she was offering me a beer, and I was messing around about how her how her unlocks were looking all right. Just good times back then. Um, yeah, yeah, I think you that, were part. That, you that, went to that party in uh, in in Portugal. The Rock yeah, that, there was a there was a rooftop one with gelato and a couple others. Um, oh, yeah, nice. Was, did you did you go to the cool. Rave in, in Portugal? Or? I don't know. I, I feel like I didn't. I feel like it's so hard to get tickets. They're always so sold out. Yeah. It's also like the last day of the conference. So like people typically don't stay that long. So yeah, I totally understand. Yeah. We had enough parties. Yeah. Those bull market conferences, <laughs> yeah. man, they're, they're different than the bear market ones. Yeah. I'm actually yeah. going to, uh, to, to DevCon in uh, two, three weeks. So I'm looking forward nice. to that. I mean, amidst all of the unfortunate events over there, it seems to be enough distance and, very builder focused, you know, like that's why I like the Ethereum ones the most, the, uh, you know, like the Bitcoin Miamis or the XYZ permissionless. These, these are all good events, but you get a lot of guys in suits. I don't really think there's going to be many suits in Istanbul. No, definitely not. And, uh, and I think what I really like about DevConnect is that it's, it's kind of, you know, um, like immersing the builder community within the kind of user community that would really resonate with crypto and its values right um with, with turkey and it's 
and it's kind of inflation woes and and everything and 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 you know turkish people are, are you know kind of uh or the turkish um developers in the space are, are are big contributors to a lot of major protocols so it's it's it, it makes sense to kind of focus and shine a spotlight on the builder community there yeah that's that's actually a really good point like you know, you don't really think about these things being from uh, like a, a, even, even though there's inflation in the states or UK or Europe or wherever. Um, you don't really, you don't really ponder the idea like, oh wow, like actually holding a conference in one of these places that has uh, significant monetary issues is is a huge step in in kind of awareness and adoption of the technology as, as it could be used. Just the ethos and 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 all of that, and kind of sw- switching gears back to Ave's. Push. I think that I think that Ave led the uh, cross chain push. Like, I know Sushi Swap kind of followed there quickly after Uniswap was a bit slower. Um, but yeah, I remember the liquidity mining on Polygon into Avalanche into Phantom, et cetera, et cetera. And I think they kind of like popped the cherry on the, this uh, this idea of one DAP across you know tons of chains, and now we're absolutely like miles miles down the line of deployment yep. into we're kind of facing new issues now. Yeah, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, we're running into a lot of issues. Uh, yeah, it's funny, it, like, I think when Ave uh, expanded chains and like you said, like Sushi followed after, uh, we didn't really even use the word term cross-chain. We just said multi-chain, right? It's like, yeah. okay, it's on like multiple chains and uh, the, the, the UX to actually like get access to those chains was like, like heinous right just like a, a, a terrible terrible process um and we've come a long way since then uh from an infrastructure perspective uh allowing for better ux and i think now what, what, what at least when i think of when i think of cross chain is like moving away from that model of like multiple deployments and different chains and actually having like native uh like access to information and assets on these different chains and actually doing something in a more kind of seamless cross-chain manner right so bit of a different kind of connotation with the lexicon yeah yeah i think so i think vitalik was pretty uh was pretty bearish on multi-chain instead of cross-chain uh i think he might have put us some tweets or posts about that maybe it was the other way around but i'll i'll i want to say it's probably with with what you're saying and yeah i think that that the uh branding and marketing is actually quite important for for users and um I, I, I've been so shocked by the situation with native USDC and bridged USDC, how they managed to deploy native USDC circled it across Arbitrum and Polygon and maybe Optimism and a couple other chains now, Avalanche. But now we have like this fragmented liquidity experience where there's USDCE and USDC, and it's almost worse than before there was huh, natives yeah. uh, uh, USDC. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we could we could talk forever about like token wrapping and kind yeah. of like the the kind of implications from a UX and you know also a security perspective. Um it's tough. Like ultimately people have different perspectives on like who should be the canonical issuer of these like tokens, right? I think in Circle's case, it's like pretty clear. It's like, okay, like circle like owns the usdc or sorry the usd deposits and so they have like full issuing rights for usdc it should probably be them but it becomes less apparent for something like eth right where it's like okay like for a roll-up should it be the canonical bridge 
what happens if like another bridge has more liquidity and more adoption, right? It's like, then, then it becomes really, really confusing. And so uh, I think it goes back to the point you're saying, it's like, it's, it's kind of like a, like a UX nightmare to kind of be dealing with different denominations of the same asset on the same chain. Um, and also becomes like a liquidity fragmentation issue, which is like, you know, has implications for like price impact and the, the functionality of some of these DeFi protocols. So um, again, we could talk forever about this, like literally forever. I actually wrote like a blog post about this a couple of weeks ago, but um, I'll, I'll just stop there. I'll stop myself just knowing that like, there's, there's a lot to be explored on how to actually like, um, like reunify the liquidity that's being kind of um, arisen by this problem. Yeah, did you um, did you see the recent drama with Layer Zero's front running of Lido's governance token vote with the wrap staked ETH situation? I did. Yeah. Okay. So, could you please explain to our community why, or before explaining your opinions on the matter and kind of what you think is the right way to handle the situation, which we're obviously very excited to hear. Could you explain the 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 actual situation as it is and why there are uh, security issues and also liquidity issues that could arise from uh, these types of situations? Sure. So I, I do want to preface that I don't really have a horse in the race, right? Like, I think they're both great organizations uh, with different priorities and different kind of organizational structures. And it doesn't really kind of affect my day-to-day -day, right um, yeah. but i am part of the community i do see kind of the, the discussions i think you know heart from across has been especially vocal about um about um kind of later zeros actions this one and and a few others uh that kind of transpire over the summer um but yeah for for the, for the viewers like basically um the the summary or the synopsis of the scenario is that lido of course makes um, Steeth, right? Steeth like uh, as their LST. Um, you can wrap uh, Steeth, so they call it, you know, wrap staked ETH or with Steeth. I don't know what how people call it. I just see it on Twitter uh, as a, as a ticker. Uh, but it's wrapped, right? And it could be distributed to to other um, other ecosystems, so that um, people in other ecosystems or other chains can get access to to Steeth, right? They get access to um, the, the, the native kind of interest bearing instrument, uh, of, of Ethereum. Um, and so, you know, typically what, what was happened is that, um, Lido is a DAO, right? It, it is, is, has kind of a decentralized governance process, uh, will, uh, review, uh, assess and, and green light or vote on the green light, uh, to, to expand into different ecosystems where wrap stake ETH could be. Right. And, and also vote on the infrastructure in which it's, it's being distributed. And so um, most notably, like it, it's on Neutron. Right. Uh, and that's because, you know, the Neutron team is 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 really, really close, closely affiliated with, with the Lido team. Um, and and I think Neutron's great. Right. Gets gets Cosmos uh, users access to 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 staked ETH and it gets access to other other kind of ETH assets, which couples the communities together more, which is which is something that I'm very pro of. Right. Um, and so the the drama, I guess, is um, around. I think a couple of days ago, Layer Zero. Um, for for context, Layer Zero, you know, Interop Protocol, they have a what they call an Omni token, uh, an Omni Chain token standard, uh, or I think in this case they call it like the Omni Fungible Token, uh, or maybe Omni Chain Fungible Token OFT. Yeah, like o OFT. Yep. Yeah. 
So from a from a BD perspective, like Layer Zero has been very, um, like they're really gung ho about getting adoption for this, right? Uh, I think they've had some notable DeFi projects. I'm blanking on the the list of them that have adopted this, right? And so Radiant and, Capital is a big one. Yeah, Radiant. I think like they've got like Time, right? Like Mim, uh, yeah. Abracadabra. Um, Several projects, but Abracadabra. Um, yeah, yeah, and so yeah, they they've definitely won, you know, some 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 adoption from from some major DeFi protocols. Um, it's basically like OFT is basically their canonical standard, um, where um, you could you do like some sort of like mint and burn mechanism across different chains, and so all the chains that Layer Zero is deployed on, um, you know, if you have the token that has a home chain, it could be wrapped into this OFT standard and then it could be minted and, and burned, or it could be burned when you move it out of the home chain and, and reminted um, when you when you move to the destination chain. Um, and it, it becomes really liquidity efficient, right? Because you don't have this like weird, like, you know, like you don't have assets wrapped or locked into one chain and you have to like rewrap it. And then if you wrap it n times, like it becomes like a Russian doll of like, a token that no one even knows what's happening. So it, it is very efficient. There's other kind of omni-chain token standards that other organizations are, are pioneering, you know, namely Axlar has one and uh, Connex is building one as well. Um, but but OFT is, is, I think, from adoption perspective, the most popular. So um, so the drama, again, is, is with Layer Zero kind of taking it upon themselves to just um, issue Rabstake ETH as an OFT, right? Or... Uh, and they're doing it on on BNB chain, and I think a number of other chains. And um, I think the way they presented it, I, I don't know the exact details. I didn't follow it super closely, but the way they presented it was uh, when they announced it was that it seemed like it was something that had gone through the traditional Lido governance process, right? Of like the assessment and and, and, the, and the governance voting, which in fact it had not. It was just a proposal on the forum, right? Uh, and so I, I think one of two things transpired. Again, I'm not super close closely related to this but one was that uh, they posted the proposal right and they made a marketing announcement about it right and and they and they worked together with like finance or the bnb chain team to make to make that announcement and so everyone was like it made it seem like lido had already gone through the process right which in fact it, it had it's just a proposal so i think that's like one option the second option is that they just did it right because they can right they're just like okay like we just have a bunch of stake eth uh, or we work with a bunch of you know partners with a bunch of stake ETH and we just wrapped it into an OFT standard and issued it on BNB chain and other chains, right? Um, I'm not exactly sure which one it is. Uh, maybe you know, uh, but uh, either way, like I think the takeaway is that they're being a little um, disingenuous with with their marketing, right? I, I I think I could say that as as strong of a word as that, uh, where, where it, it made people believe erroneously that it had been like an official partnership, which would have been a huge, huge win for the OFT standard for layer zero, right? Um, so that was kind of the controversy around it. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate the uh, the update for for myself and and those listening. And then, and then what what is the security issue with uh, teams going ahead and, and minting and creating their own token standards for Rapstake ETH or for various uh, other you know tokens without kind of having the community alignment? Uh, what kind of liquidity or security type of issues could be good uh, result as as uh, as a consequence of these types of of actions? Yeah, so I'll start with the liquidity implication first, uh, just because it's probably the most straightforward. Um, at the end of the day, like 
DAOs or even just blockchains broadly are some like, um, it's like a mechanism for coordination, right? And so DAOs, you know, in this case, Lido DAO, um, like benefits a lot from kind of the scaffolding has in place in order to facilitate coordination. And it's kind of just like more of like a, a, a values-based thing in this space that uh, is kind of an aside, but it's going to go back to my answer. Uh, and so if social coordination is like super important for, for crypto and we use blockchains, we use DAOs for social coordination, kind of moving, like sidestepping that process uh, becomes like kind of a slippery slope, right? Or like you're not working with the necessary frameworks or partners in place in order to do things the right way. If, if people, then it becomes more like anarchy, right? Where you're like, okay, you can kind of just like do things. Um, and so from a liquidity implication, what that means is, okay, if layer zero says, hey, like I want to, you know, wrap stake ETH on the OT standard and issue in different chains, maybe another another provider comes and they say, wait, I, I would like to do that too, right? Uh, and then eventually, like, because the DAO process is, is slower than, you know, a, a team kind of making unilateral decisions, uh, eventually maybe they decide on the canonical, uh, like approach, right? They want to use this bridge, they want to be on these chains, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, at that point, like they've already been front run and there's liquidity on other kind of non-canonical um, implementations. And that, of course, like fragments liquidity, which again, like deteriorates the product experience or the product viability of a lot of these DeFi protocols, right? Um, so that's kind of like the liquidity implication. Um, from a yeah, security- makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And uh, again, yeah, like, it... think... yeah. oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. No, I mean, like, it just goes back to like, the implication of like, okay, what does it mean to be able to do whatever you want, right? Without like that level of social coordination. And that just means like, it's kind of like what's happening with like USDCE and like canonical USDC, right? It's like, okay, like people are fighting on like, which one is the right one. And as a result, like no one wins. Yeah. And the thing is people have that level of trust uh, with Circle in a sense where there's a, almost a shared mutual agreement of like, okay, well, if we're going to do this, then we should probably just do it, the, do it the way that Circle is suggesting and all kind of agree on this. Whereas where, where you're going to take us with this security implications is like, well, if layer zero or XYZ company is doing this and we can't come to an agreement because there's uh, cons uh, concerns about the security model behind layer zero's OFTs or uh, XYZ's model, then we kind of get to to a, to a problem where sure if 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 this if layer zero was front running and was agreed upon as the the best go to standard, perhaps with some better marketing would maybe wouldn't have been too big of, a, of an issue, or uh, there have been yeah. some pushback. But Definitely. I think because there's a lot of pushback from people uh, like yourself, like Hart, like Arjun from Connect, and other people who basically have lived through 2021 and have been like, well, shit, like. Bridges got hacked. Like we can't just accept, you know, subpar designs. Not to say that there's any one right now that are better than the others in 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 that sense. Just that there's trade-offs. And so, yeah, I think you can kind of dive more into that security uh, aspect, which I think I kind of just cracked open there. Yeah. So from the security perspective, like, yeah, it's like what you mentioned. Like, um, you know the the cross chain or the interoperability space has a checkered past right and it is a very very 
highly scrutinized uh, vertical from like a, you know, just a user and everyday perspective, but also from like an exploit um, or like a, like a black hat perspective. And so uh, I think everyone's very cognizant of that, right. Um, of, of, of what it means to, to build in, in cross chain and what it means to use cross chain um, applications. Um, I think in this specific instance, the biggest kind of security implication is that uh, OFT effectively, you know, above all else, is just vendor lock-in, right? It's like you have locked, um, you have locked wrap stake ETH into one provider, and in the in the uh, you know in the black swan event that this like bridge provider um, is ex you know exploited or has some sort of uh, has some sort of um, attack. Um, then every kind of like wrapped uh, iteration of this token on whatever kind of destination chains it's propagated into, um, like becomes affected, right? And it's kind of like a like doomsday planning thing, um, but I think a really important one because of the nature of the space that we're in. And it, it actually becomes very real, right? Like recently, um, like recently with the with the multi chain kind of. <laughs> snafu i don't even know what to call it um there was a lot of like um like there are a lot of teams and a lot of tokens that were using their bridge to to get access to other um or uh, other ecosystems and uh you know with the downfall of that they're they're effectively locked right in fact i, I spoke personally to a lot of founders of, of a lot of different teams uh that, that were facing this issue and were having a huge huge headache to like try to kind of migrate that liquidity in like a timely and secure way and so it was just a it was a huge pain and and i don't think lido or i don't think really any organization wants to subject themselves to that uh at any point in time or they want to do the necessary due diligence such that they don't have to subject themselves unnecessarily yeah i mean that's a huge concern and yeah definitely the checkered past is exactly entirely accurate um and thus the security issues of just kind of one single point of failure are our problem. And then also there's also a bit of like, oh, like, uh, you know, for example, something like uh, Connext wants a chance to put their proposal up and to see what the community wants, you know, to see if, if the Lido community would be more interested in using XCRC20, um, you know, or X, Y, and Z, or I'm sure Heart and Across, right? I'm not sure if Across has a, has a token standard, but but there, there could be uh, some integration there on across, right? So, um, yeah, very interesting. Now, kind of shifting away from, uh, as we mentioned, there's there's definitely some issues. Um, kind of, you you kind of put the state of cross chain into an interesting uh, format where you kind of describe this this the, the, this DAP or this or this technology that can access and use all chains at will. Uh, effectively and one of the people that we work with closely is is uh live i they kind of have this cross chain sdk which is pretty close uh to kind of aggregating all of what's existence putting it into an sdk and allowing dApps to use it you're almost taking it to another level with catalyst but before we jump exactly into exactly what, what catalyst is doing i'd like to further elaborate uh and extrapolate what you what you what your vision is for kind of this this future where dApps and protocols can access all these different chains, but may not be necessarily cross-chain or, or multi-chain or kind of what that really means. 
Yeah, I think my vision for cross-chain, um, well, I, I have a broader vision than that, uh, but I'll, I'll just start with, with cross-chain. Um, and I'll, I'll share a little bit about my bigger vision if, if you're curious. But um, the vision is effectively like less friction, right? Um, it's, it's like native access, uh, instant trustless native access to information on other blockchains, right? And some people like to frame it as like, oh, you abstract away blockchains, right? It's just like an experience. Um, I think that's a fine framing. I don't necessarily agree with that framing because I think, uh, funny, like um, there was an essay uh, by foundation like a few years ago that I loved. It was, it was said like blockchain wants to be seen, right? It's like when we move from the car from horse-drawn carriages, like no one said, hey, like let's abstract away how to drive, right? You're like, no, you have to drive. I'm sorry, right? You're not, we're not riding horses anymore. Uh, and I think it's like similar, like where I'm not trying to abstract it away, but if people are educated about how to use blockchain, how to use private keys and, and signatures uh, and wallets, um, and they have a home that they want to be in, whether it be some roll-up of an app or whether it be, you know, uh, whether it be Ethereum itself, um, they get access to everything else, right? There's no like leaving your home, right? And so in that way, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like Uber Eats, right? Or like, or like, uh, or like Instacart, right? It's like, you're in your home, you're very cognizant of it, you still get access to everything else, right? And the native access and the instant access in, in, in a way that doesn't compromise security is kind of my vision for it. And so I think Catalyst is kind of like an underlying foundation for that in a lot of ways. Um, briefly, I'll quickly talk about like my vision, like broadly, like, I think you could, I think we can extrapolate this beyond just blockchain, right? It's like, okay, like, I think very right now, it's like very, very salient that like, I'm doing blockchain stuff. And, and it becomes very clear that I'm doing not blockchain stuff. If I'm like on Robinhood, or I'm on Mercury, or my fidelity or whatever, right? I think we can merge that together too. I think like native access to other you know, assets or other information that is pertinent to what I want to do um, it, in a trustless manner is, is super important. Uh, and so that's why I get really excited about like RWAs. I get really excited about trustless oracles um, and, and kind of like merging that all together into what I call like, you know, borderless finance, which is just like a one-stop view of like every kind of financial aspect of my life. Taking a quick commercial break here to tell you guys about our lovely sponsors. Right before we get back to this fascinating discussion, we have a message from our current sponsors. Here we go. I want to take a moment to introduce you to our sponsor, Premia Finance. Premia is a native options protocol that offers market-driven pricing and capital-efficient returns for traders and liquidity providers. With Premia, you can trade options on a variety of different crypto assets. Well, what sets Premium apart is its unique pricing mechanism, which is based on the market's expectation of future volatility. This means that options prices are always in line with market conditions, which provides traders with the most fair and transparent pricing. Recently, Premium has just launched their Options Academy, where you can learn for free how to become a proficient options trader. 
uh, feel free to check it out at premium.finance. Um, hedge your risks or amplify your positions um, to earn more capital efficient returns on premium finance. Thank you. And another exciting sponsor to introduce you is Plan of Finance. I've recently uh, been onboarded as an advisor for Plan of Finance, which is one of the first self-custodial wallets to support account abstraction. With Plan of Finance, you can revolutionize your crypto experience and take control of your assets like never before. Say goodbye to the hassle of managing multiple wallets. Hello to a seamless, user-friendly experience. Plan of Finance allows you to easily manage your assets, swap tokens, and earn rewards all in one place on your mobile phone. They have an app in the Apple App Store as well as in the Google Play Store. Uh, with Plan of Finance's self-custodial wallet, you hold the keys to your assets, ensuring the highest level of security and privacy. With tons of cool features like gasless trading, um, interesting yield competitions, and cool NFTs, there's an amazing amount of effort going into building this app that already has tens of thousands of users. So what are you waiting for? Download Plan of Finance today and experience the future of crypto wallets. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, firstly, on the point of like uh, abstracting away, that's a concept that a lot of people tend to use, like chain abstraction or or uh, cross chain kind of, oh, you're going to use, you'll be using all the chains and not even know it. And Yeah, I mean, I think there's a certain level of truth to that as far as the most base level of user uh, in a sense of, you know, using using a mobile DeFi app and just wanting a fast, cheap experience with good liquidity not necessarily caring where that exists, but then also like, yeah, in reality, there's, there's going to be tons of different chains and users will have that optionality and, uh, and just making it, making it a, an experience where, where it's possible. And, and like you said, going from a, a horse-drawn carriage to a car, um, you know, being able to really uh, just improve your, your experience, your strategy, and then also for dApps protocols and, and all different types of, of um, applications to be able to, uh, to deploy on as many of these chains in a seamless way as possible. And then even taking it further than, than crypto, as you said, like there is a definitely a stark difference. You know, when I was jumping on friend tech, it was close to something that would be like accessible from a user perspective of a, of a, of a social media. Now, obviously the whole PWA concept, having to download and add it to your home screen, everything's priced ETH. There's these small differences that exist there, right? Um, yeah. That are that are uh, still still prominent, but we're getting closer and closer. Definitely excited. Um, yeah. One thing I love about friend tech that I don't think people talk about enough, or maybe they do, and and I'm just not seeing it, uh, is the onboarding experience. Yeah. Right? It's like huge. Hey, it's For like me, oh, it's you amazing. don't. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's incredible. It's like uh, there's so many excellent pieces of it but the fact that it's just like abstracting chains is great right like when i went on friend tech pretty early user didn't have any assets on base it was like and eh, just deposit on this smart contract on eth uh and i didn't even need to connect my wallet you're like they're like yeah just deposit it like from anywhere and then just give us this like receipt i don't exactly remember what happened but and i was like okay that's like super easy and like i just like did it on 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 a different on a different wallet on a, on a different device and and it was super seamless and and i don't think uh i don't think we give it enough credit that that was just like incredible otherwise like i wouldn't have used it right i'm like okay how do i get assets on base like i'm i'm not going to use front tech and i was like you don't need to which is incredible yeah yeah even when i was trying the avalanche one like stars arena you had to deposit on avalanche which is a huge headache 
Huge yeah, headache. yeah. No one wants to Huge do that, right? To get like, rubbed, so <laughs> yeah, like get bridge, bridging in of itself is like kind of scary uh, because um, there's kind of like this like maybe less so now, but there's there's kind of this like period where it's like okay, like I set my money from ETH and I'm, you know in this case getting my money from Avalanche, and you're like okay, like it says success on Etherscan but it doesn't say anything on Ava scan. So I'm like, okay, like, where is it? <laughs> Did it just like, yeah. 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 It's weird. So can I pivot towards the vision that you have for Catalyst and uh, where you guys uh, are looking to, to kind of take this um, recently, you guys just put out your test net about a month ago uh, called the links test net. How's that going? You've been seeing some good results, um, you know, bugs, feedback, um, yeah. Yeah. So links is our like full test net. Uh, we released another test net in June that we called our demo. So it's kind of like super scoped, right? Links is like full featured. Um, I wanted it to be our final release candidate. I think we have another one that's going to come before mainnet. Um, but yeah, we released that a, a month ago, uh, and, and it's been, it's been doing really, really well. Um, it's surpassed any sort of internal milestones that we had set against it. I think we did like $3 billion of volume. Granted, it's on testnet, but it's just like insane. It was like hundreds of thousands of swaps. We have over 100,000 active wallets that are using the testnet. And so, um, yeah, we're, su we're super grateful uh, in, in only kind of a 30-day 30, 30 um, time span. Um, and that's what testnets are for, right? They're, they're for you know, running really uh, for, for stress testing, kind of different pieces of the protocol for testing edge cases. Uh, and so we were kind of grateful that we received a uh, unexpected amount of demand because that allowed us to kind of water, water through the pipes and, and see what worked and what didn't. Um, uh, what worked was most of it, I would say, right? Um, everything worked swimmingly. We, we've, we're really proud of kind of the technical stat that we built, not only from a contract perspective, but also on the API and the, and the UI side, uh, especially the UI side, we spend a lot of time, you know, doing design research on, you know, what what is what does a more seamless cross chain experience look like that isn't just some mirror of Uniswap, right? Um, but uh, I mean, like, not everything worked, right? Which is which is to be to be expected. Um, we got way more demand than than we anticipated. That overloaded, uh, like uh, the network RPCs that we're interacting in. Uh, and so we had to be very clever about how we wanted to uh, request information from the RPCs, right? And so we kind of built these workers that were batching requests to the RPCs and, you know, retrying if they were to time out because, um, you know, chain RPCs are, even now, even 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 now to this day, like still uh, still tough, uh, a tough business to, to run, a tough product to stand up. Um, and so, yeah, we want, we, we're working with, you know, our, the, the chain teams in order to kind of alleviate some of that uh, of that issue or mitigate some of that issue and alleviate some of the the load that we're putting on those RPCs so that they don't go down on us and our swaps don't work, right? Uh, and so, yeah, that, that's been kind of our, our biggest learning to date is just like the demand kind of breaking all the blockchain stuff, right? It's like the website works, the, the API works, the indexer works uh, to an extent, but it's just like, okay, like actually pushing like a huge amount of information onto the blockchain is 
not actually blocked by like the the no the, the nodes right like everyone talks about like tps uh for for blockchains and different vms are are, are optimized for a lot of tps because there's parallel execution etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, but but funny enough it's like okay if you can't actually put that information on the blockchain in the form of a in the form of a robust rpc then then, then there's still kind of a weakest link in the in the flow right yeah yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, that's what Spectre Testnet's all about. Learning those, those and kind of getting feedbacks. Maybe you could test out different RPCs. Alchemy's got one. Llama Nodes has got one. Um, Pocket. Pocket's got one. They're they're actually now going to Ethereum L2 as well, a classic we'll pivot to a roll-up. Love it. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so from a user perspective, uh, why would I use Catalyst? uh on in mainnet uh to do swaps i have tokens on uh, ethereum arbitrum optimism base uh linear uh, mantle um scroll now uh, mantle pacific l2 polygon zkvm pretty much everywhere on all the rollups what what why am i going to use catalyst yeah that's a that's a good question. One that I'm, I can give you a number of answers to. Um, I do think like the main differentiator of Catalyst is that it's built, it's literally purpose built for the scale of the proliferation of chains and rollups that we are seeing and we're going to continue to see, right? Um, the punchy tagline we say is that it's it's a it's a cross-chain AMM for millions of chains uh, there aren't millions of chains yet but I feel very strongly that there's going to be um, and so catalyst is very very lightweight right um, if I were to show you the contracts we'll open source them eventually but I would show you the contracts you'd be like wow that's super simple and there's complexity and simplicity right there's effort to, to create something that's super simple uh, but what that means is that we can be on chains incredibly quickly, right? Uh, you know, Jim Chain gets spun up on Caldera. It's a Arbitrum Orbit chain, or roll-up rather. Uh, Catalyst can already be there. And Catalyst can already connect to, you know, Arbitrum or OP mainnet or ETH mainnet or, or what have you out of the box, right? And so when we see and we anticipate seeing more and more of these roll-ups and more app-specific chains, our app specific rollups um, kind of you know come to light as we see more and more of them, right? Um, something that again I I said a year ago when when Catalyst was started, right? And people were like, no, 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 no. And, and twelve months later, I get to gloat a little bit on that prediction. Um, but we're going to see more, and, and Catalyst is kind of purpose built for that. And so users want access to those chains, and we're going to be there automatically. And that's what you know you mentioned LiFi, right? Uh, that's what aggregators are are really excited about, right? Because they're going to aggregate our liquidity routes to these new chains uh, and they're not going to get access to. Uh, so we're, you know, th that they couldn't get access to anywhere else. And so uh, we're a Mantle test network. We, um, you know, are close partners with the, with the Mantle team. And um, you'd be surprised. It's actually really, really hard to, to move to move assets in the Mantle right now. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's, that's a kind of a, um, just like one example that, that, that I would give. So that's kind of like the main differentiator. And then of course, like you can get down to the technical details. It's like really simple. Therefore it's, it's, it's more secure, right? It's heavily audited. Um, it, 
it is very, very capital efficient. And so we're going to provide very uh, competitive swaps. And so if people are using aggregators, they're going to want to use our routes because it's just going to be cheaper than anyone else. Right. Um, but that like, you know, that's not as, that's not the overarching reason, right? The overarching reasons what I articulated earlier. It's like, we're going to be everywhere and people want to be everywhere. Yeah. And is it, does it cost a lot of money to deploy like resources and uh, contracts, et cetera, from one chain to another? whether it's within the same like OP stack or different, like different types of rollups? No, I wouldn't say so. Um, I mean, there's, there's always integration, right? But I think the more integrations that are done, the more learnings there are and eventually it'll become automated. Um, So that's our hope, especially if it's using, right, a a known framework. Uh, Actually, we anticipate that, right? It's like, you know, if you're, if you're using Caldera, you're building an OP stack rollup, or you're building an Arbitrum Orbit rollup, or you're building a Polygon CDK rollup. Um, like Catalyst can, there's some sort of automated integration process where Catalyst can already be there, right? Uh, and so um, that 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 is definitely uh, something that we're actively building towards, um, but kind of taking small steps in, 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 into that vision. Um, uh, I think where it gets more costly is when you go beyond um, like EVM. Right, which which we are we, which we are doing. We're we're going to to Cosmos uh, in the form of Cosmwasm and, and just a broadly broadly a Wasm uh, type implementation. Uh, we're going to you know, Solana right with a, with an SVM implementation. Uh, we're actively exploring what it means to go into to move as well. Um, so so we get access to uh, move based chains like Sui and Aptos and and movement. Um, but even then, like Catalyst, again, is so simple that it's basically uh, a very, very, um, it, it's, it's a simpler effort to do versus like other other protocols, right? Um, and so we, again, that's another benefit of Catalyst. It's like we're not just EVM, right? And, um, and that doesn't mean we're not Ethereum aligned. It's like, I think we're seeing a lot of, you know, resurgence on like Rust VMs or Wasm VMs or, 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 um, Arbitrum stylus on approaching other VMs and still being part of Ethereum. Um, and, and we want to service those, right? And I, I think we'll be the first to service those versus any other any other project. Yeah, definitely. That VM narrative is hitting right now. No doubt about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's easy to make it to look like you're not uh, aligned with, with EVM and Ethereum by promoting other VMs. But when you understand that, that uh, you know, that the VM layer is, is simply the execution layer, um, and that things tend to settle back to Ethereum, uh, you know, you're able to kind of understand how the, this is all good for Ethereum as an important part of the puzzle. Um, so with the liquidity situation for you guys, so you're on, the go-to-market is effectively, let's get on millions of chains for now, dozens and dozens and dozens and hundreds. Then what, what is the liquidity situation going to look like? Yeah, so V1 of Catalyst is um, fairly naive, I would say. Uh, effective, but but naive, where it, we're effectively creating like multi-asset pools that span different chains, and you can swap between all of them, right? Uh, and so a kind of a, a rough analogy is like a really big balancer pool that's cross-chain. <laughs> Right or like a or like a yeah. curve, 
three pool or tri crypto pool that's across different chains, right? And you can uh, access yeah. that pool from all different chains that are with yeah, you. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, and so that's the V one. Uh, the V two that we're in active research on um, is going to have. It's kind of a catch all with a lot more capital efficiency um, improvements, whether it be. Uh, it's just capital efficiency, right? Like, I mean, I could say kind of certain implementation details that would make sense, like, you know, concentrated liquidity or, you know, recreating ticks in some sort of cloud, mar uh, cloud mechanism. Um, but the net of it is that it's just going to be more capital efficient. Uh, and uh, yeah, we're working really hard towards that because V1 is already done from a contract's perspective. It's just about shipping it. And so V2 is kind of our, our big thing from a contract's perspective. But even V1 is, 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 and I hate to say revolutionary, but it's revolutionary in the sense that you can access liquidity on tons of chains while just being on one. Yeah. Unless yeah, you're missing absolutely. how it works. No, no, no. That, yeah. that's, that's totally right. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's nothing like that exists right now. Really. I mean, there's like, are, like what are you, who are your competitors? Um, there's really who you, no. Who are you looking at? Yeah. Yeah, so there's really no comparison when you think about it from like a like uh, like a chain deployment perspective, right? It's yeah. like we are just going to be in a lot of places, and I don't think any any other project can kind of hold a candle to that. Um, but with that said, like I will recognize that like okay, moving value cross chain is like kind of foundational and there's like tons of projects that are doing that right yeah uh, whether it be like any bridge right that we we're just talking about the mechanism is different but the job to be done is like very similar uh or it's like um like dexes that have some yeah, sort of I mean, cross-chain like, capability right like yeah chain. like the cross-chain swap is like the closest thing like like jumper from leafy you can swap from one chain and get to the next yeah well jump, jumper is slightly sense. yeah sorry you go ahead jumper is slightly different because it's an aggregator right and so like we want to be winning or we want to be integrated into jumper and we think we're going to be competitive in winning those routes the, those routes right and it's like it's like these the, the crushing swaps that exist right now are like yeah you 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 get to access one chain's liquidity to get to the next it's not like you can access tons of chains liquidity all within one swap sorry i, I actually don't understand perhaps I'm, perhaps I'm misunderstanding but from my understanding like, like let's say we're trying to do a cross chain swap on on jumper for example we're trying to go from eth on arbitrum to usdc on ethereum that swap is going to be happening either either uh I would assume on Ethereum and then the USDC is bridged to Arbitrum. Right? Or with a yeah. cross swap. I, I wouldn't use I wouldn't use the term bridge. Like yeah, I, I guess another differentiated catalyst besides like the scale is like that you just get native assets, right? Um because it's yeah. AMM, so it's like the only thing that we're like coordinating or they're passing across chain is like like the movement along like the price curve, right? If we want to get like very specific on like how like 
um, like constant product AMMs work. Um, but so like you deposit slash sell your ETH and then you receive slash withdraw from the contract, the USDC, right? Uh, so there's no bridging. It's just a transfer of, it's just that understanding that there's like an equivalency of value between the amount of assets that you have sold and that you have bought. Sorry, yeah. that's kind of confusing. No, no, it makes total sense. And then, so on the on the catalyst model, uh, is 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 it? It's this. It's a similar model. No. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was just explaining the catalyst model. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, what you said before is thought. what happens right now. It's like two. It's like two transactions. Yeah, yeah. So you don't need. So you can access the liquidity without needing to 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 swap with that liquidity. But let's say, for example, I'm trying to swap. I'm trying to swap ETH to USDC on Catalyst on 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 Optimism or or, or Rollup Chain, and and this liquidity pool that exists, as you said, it spans across ten different rollups with the top three uh, liquidity for uh, dex pools for this pair not being on Optimism. Does that matter? No. For price or or slippage or anything. Um. No, I wouldn't say so. So, so this liquidity pool then spans across all those networks. And let's say I go from ETH to USDC on Optimism using Catalyst, knowing that the, the Optimism liquidity for this specific pair is less than the others. I would be able to still access the 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 the, the total sum of this liquidity pool for this pair based across all chains. It wouldn't be the total sum, um, but you would you would access a subset of it. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. It, is that like routed through whichever one has the best liquidity? Top. Yeah. Two? Yeah. Precisely. Top so like the it's like a liquidity of last resort. So it's like we're always gonna get like the best path effectively. Um, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. But that so, still, yeah. still requires a decent amount of liquidity to be deposited into Catalyst. Yeah, I mean it's no secret. It's like we're you know Catalyst right, is right. a DeFi oh. protocol, so it, it needs yeah. yeah it will need liquidity and it will it will. Uh, it will be benefited greatly by having, you know, a substantial amount of liquidity that offers kind of the value proposition that I've articulated. Yeah. Yeah. And would it be possible to make like a catalyst aggregator in the future? Um, like a router of sorts, like a like yeah, a Wi-Fi like for catalyst. But I guess, yeah. But I guess is it, it kind of already exists there? Then just use Wi-Fi. So, so we have like we've built um, like a router, so to speak. So Uniswap, the front end also has a router, right? For Uniswap, right? Because it's like, sometimes you want to go through a V2 pool, sometimes you go through a V3. And of course, I think they're going to use that scaffolding for V4 as well, right? Yeah. Uh, and so we, we we build a similar kind of model, right? Where it's like, okay, like, I mean, it, it's not very, it's not the same kind of um, use case where it's like, we're, we're using it for like different versions, but it, in a more like uh, in a more like minute sense, like it's routing between different pools in an intelligent way. Yeah, yeah. So we already have that is the answer to your question. But yeah, and then yeah. you can aggregate that and you can pair it against other kind of uh, other kind of liquidity paths through the through the use of Wi Fi or socket. Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Very cool. Okay, so as we kind of wrap up here, what's the timeline for the coming months, and what's on your agenda, and how can our community get involved? Um. So. 
we're heads down. We're, we're, we, we think we got everything in line uh, for mainnet launch. And so we, we plan to launch mainnet uh, in Q1 of next year. Uh, so yeah, like three, three, four months, right? So we're heads down. We're, we, we got everything chugged in. Um, how, you, how the community involved is that uh, I would recommend using testnet, um, you know, swap between all the networks that we support. We have many more networks uh, on the horizon that we're going to be supporting within the next uh, three, four months uh, heading into mainnet. Uh, but right now we're on base, Mantle, uh, and Omni, and then, you know, we're going to add scroll and, you know, all, all the, all the kind of, um, you know, known, uh, networks as well that, that people want access to. And so, uh, use that stress test it. use all the different features, right? We're, we're constantly launching different features. Like we're constantly launching, um, you know, deposits or deposit optimizations, kind of like what curve has, we have like analytics or user profile. And so it changes on a week to week basis. So get involved. And if you have any questions, like you can reach us on, on telegram or sorry, on Twitter. Uh, and then we also have our telegram is more of like a support chat. Um, and, uh, and let us know your feedback. Yeah, thank you, Jim, for your time and for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, pleasure for having me. Thanks for uh, chatting about cross-chain. I mean, you know your stuff. So I, li I like talking to, <laughs> to someone about the nitty-gritty. Cheers, man. All right, cheers. Thank Thanks for listening to the DeFi by Design podcast. And a big thank you to all of our sponsors for their support. Please check them out in the links below, as well as on our website and in our newsletter. We'll be back with more exciting guests and insights. Until then, stay curious, stay informed, and keep designing the future of DeFi.